Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. My Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And God, may your kingdom come around us, in us, and through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. What great worship today. So good to be back. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, the gospel of Matthew chapter 7. And I want to talk to you today about the log and speck syndrome, the log and speck syndrome. Maybe that's new language to you, I don't know. But Jesus talked about a log and a speck in Matthew chapter 7, and it has a lot of relevance today. One of the things I want to start off by saying to you is this, and you know this principle principle to be true. Premature judgments can get you in a lot of trouble, can't they? (laughs) Premature judgments can get you in trouble. I want to show you a picture, and then I want to share a story with you about how this was true for a guy who was a worship leader who was going to uh, sing and play at a funeral. This is his story, and this is what he says. As a guitarist, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in the back country. As I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost. I finally arrived an hour late and saw the funeral guy had evidently gone, and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There were only the diggers and only the crew that was left, and they were eating lunch. I felt badly, and I apologized to the men for being late. And I went to the side of the grave and looked down, and the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so he says I started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played out my heart and soul for this man with no family and friends. He said, I played like I've never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept, I wept, we all wept together. And when I finished, I packed up my guitar and started for the car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. As I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say this, I've never seen anything like that before, and I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. He says, apparently, I'm still lost. (laughs) Premature judgments can get you in a lot of trouble. We want to avoid premature judgments. And this is really what Jesus is teaching. Look in Matthew chapter 7. Let's read it together. Let's listen to the words of Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Wow, just a few sentences here, just a few words, but so powerful and so relevant for us today. Let me share with you what the log and speck syndrome is. Here's what it is. The log and speck syndrome is this. We possess the tendency to be far more critical of others than we are of ourselves. We all do. 
It's just kind of human sinful nature. We possess the ability to critique and condemn other people far more than we do ourselves. And Jesus here is talking about this spirit, this attitude that unfortunately resides in many people, this condescending, condemning kind of attitude that really um, translates into a judgment that Jesus says is unacceptable for those who are his followers. Let's unpack this for a moment. Look in verse 1. Let's understand what he means by judgment. Because many people say, well, Jesus is condemning all kinds of moral evaluation. He's saying it's, it's wrong to say that anything is wrong. And so in this day and age, that's kind of, like, kind of politically correct lingo, isn't it? Where it's wrong to say that something is wrong, right? It's wrong to do that. And so we can't make any moral evaluations. We can't say that something is right. We can't describe truth from error, wrong behavior from right behavior. Is that what Jesus is really saying? I don't think so. And the way we under, come to understand what he is saying is by looking at this in context, He says, judge not that you be not judged. Well, people hear judge not, and they can really kind of get behind that statement because in our time, this is a popular sentiment. This is the way that we should think. We shouldn't offend anybody by saying that certain things are right or wrong. Listen, Jesus is not saying not to discern. He's not saying not to evaluate. He's not saying that we should not determine right from wrong or to call an action immoral. That's not what he's describing here. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, let's look at his teaching in context. All you have to do is look at the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll see that Jesus is prescribing and describing uh, moral evaluations that we all must make in our lives. Look down in verse 6. Jesus says this, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and then, and then attack you. Jesus is describing here how we treat important things in our lives, that we shouldn't treat important things carelessly or give them to the wrong people. So here's a moral evaluation in and of itself. It's a determination between what is important and what is not important. Look down in verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. He's describing people who are false teachers, and he's saying that you should make evaluations of the truth of people who are teaching things to you. This is a moral evaluation. Look down in verse 26 again. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Again, a moral judgment of sorts of what is foolish and what is wise. So here are these three instances where Jesus is saying we should be discerning kinds of people. We should evaluate life in some kind of moral framework. And he talks about the difference between what is important, what is not important, truth from error, wisdom from foolishness. Those are moral valuations that you and I should make. So what is he saying when he says, judge not? Well, that word judge in the original language is an interesting word. It's crino, and it's it's translated about 15 different ways with different shades of meaning in each of those ways. This is how I want to illustrate what Jesus is saying here for you. It's through this chart that I want to share with you, okay? 
And this is an ascending kind of chart. We're moving from kind of lower moral evaluations all the way up into a condemning nature and all the way up into what is not just judgment, but judgmentalism. So it starts off with, first of all, discernment. The Bible is clear that we should be discerning kinds of people, that we should make evaluations in life. It's not a free-for-all. And some people are so concerned with not being judgmental that they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, that they've said it's wrong to call something wrong, that they don't make any moral evaluations at all. Well, that's just not what the Bible teaches. We are to be people who are discerning. But then it moves up from there to disagreeing. Once we make moral evaluations, we may actually disagree with some people. We may not, but we may. You need to understand that disagreeing with people is not judgmentalism. Do you get that? Because in today's world, again, the politically correct thing to do is not to call anything wrong or not ascribe any kind of moral evaluation upon anything. It's okay that you might disagree with someone. You're going to disagree with someone in your workplace. You're going to disagree with someone in this room. You might have disagreements about matters in life. But that is not inherently judgmentalism. Here's when it crosses the line into judgmentalism. Is when we begin to compare ourselves to others. And if you want to know really what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 7, if you really want to know what judgmentalism truly is, it's when it's connected to self-righteousness. When we compare who we are to others and say, I wouldn't, I would never, how could they? An arrogance in the judgment, an arrogance in in the critique, this is exactly what he was saying to the religious leaders, wasn't it? These guys were spiritual insiders and they were looking down at everyone else, at the have-nots, saying that they were not like them and that they were better than, than them as, as religious leaders. So a self-righteous comparison. And then it moves all the way up into the extreme of condemnation. Condemnation. This is judgmentalism in its purest form. Condemnation is not only where I evaluate the moral actions and behaviors of someone, but now I am assigning meaning and motivation to their hearts. I am, I am placing a verdict upon them in my self-righteous way, saying they are this. Not they did this, they are this. That's judgmentalism. And so you see the spectrum? And Jesus teaches so much about balance in many times. On, on one end of the spectrum, we have no morals, no indictments, no critique, no moral evaluations. That's not right. But on the other extreme is a heart of judgmentalism and a spirit of judgment condescending toward others. And that's not right either. But we have to be people who make moral judgments without judgmentalism. And we've gotten ourselves to a place where it's so important to, to avoid being judgmental that we resist making any moral evaluations. And that's not what Jesus is describing here. So what does it mean? 
So if this is what judgmentalism is, and Jesus is saying don't do it, what is the context, what are, what are the conditions by which we can know whether we are being judgmental or not? Well, it's unpacked in the rest of the passage. Look in verse 2. Jesus says this, This is a way that you can know, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Here's what he's saying. Judge others in the way that you want to be judged. Judge others in the way that you want to be judged. Now, I don't know about you, but if people are evaluating my life and critiquing my life, I want to be judged in a certain way. Let me share with you how I want to be judged. I want to be judged, first of all, slowly. I don't want to be judged hastily. I don't want people to take a quick look at my life and make a judgment upon me based upon a moment or a short time frame. Some of my most regretful moments, I don't know if this is true for you or not, probably not, you're more spiritual than I am, but some of my most regretful moments are when I've made hasty judgments about other people, where I've judged the book by the cover, where I didn't understand the context, and where I jumped to conclusions, not just about the behavior, but it was more than that, it was deeper than that where I jump to conclusions about the character of that individual. There are some of my most regretful moments when I've done that. We need to judge people slowly, just as we want to be judged. We need to judge and critique people thoroughly. Thoroughly. Not in superficial ways. Not in just the external. But deeply and thoroughly. Let me give you a little rule of thumb here. This is what I think Jesus is saying. The bedfellow of judgmentalism is ignorance. You see, you think you know about this person. I think I know about this person. But we don't understand the whole context and story that may have led to these behaviors. It doesn't excuse the behavior. I'm not talking about that. But it means it causes me to resist being harsh in my judgment, saying that this is a person that's condemned who has no hope. I remember years and years and years, as I grew up in my family, even as a Christian, having really a heart of bitterness and resentment toward my mother and father because of some of the things that I thought they did wrong and some of the pain that I thought they brought us through that was unnecessary. Years and years and years. And it was only later in life as I sat with my dad after his stroke that we actually had conversations. And it was such a blessing for six months. And he shared, for the first time, he shared about his life and his story. And guess what happened? My judgment of him was decreased. Not because he didn't do wrong things, that's true. But the motives that I had assigned to him and the story and the context, everyone has a story, almost everyone has a story. And so judge people how you want to be judged thoroughly, not superficially. And then finally, I want to be judged mercifully. Slowly, thoroughly, and mercifully. If any one of us in this room was judged 
on our weakest moment, we'd all be in trouble. Your weakest moment in your life, do you want to be judged by that? No. I want to be judged mercifully, and I want to learn to have a heart to judge other people in this way. When we make assessments, maybe, just maybe, we should err on the side of grace. Maybe, just maybe, we should be willing to give the benefit of the doubt to other people and to reserve and withhold judgment. I remember feeling this, and it's funny that I thought about this, but my daughter, when she was younger, had made just a mess in our kitchen with a bunch of paints. They were all over the floor. Not in the bottles, on the floor, like out of the bottles. It was a mess, and, and I came in, and I kind of, you know, jumped on her, and she said, but Daddy, I was making you a picture, and she held up this picture. <laughs> I was like, okay then. <laughs> Jumping to conclusions. Not understanding what is really important in life. This is what Jesus is describing. So judge others only in the way that you want to be judged. So there's a reflexive response here in critiquing other people. That's what he's talking about, which leads to the last thing that he really describes in verses 3 through 5. Let me read it again for you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, in, in almost a comedic way, is describing a guy that's got like a two-by-four sticking out of his eye, and he's reaching around trying to take the speck out of his brother's eye. The comparison of the log to the speck is instructive for us today. This goes to the heart of the log and speck syndrome. Here's what it means. It means that we possess the ability to see evil and cruelty and injustice in other people, but not in ourselves. There's no greater illustration of this than in the Old Testament. You remember King David and the great sin that David committed, the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and then the cover-up after the sin that eventually led to her husband being murdered, being killed. And David was kind of riding high after all that. After all, he had got what he had wanted. He was the king. He had power. He had wealth. He had position. And by right, he could have whatever he wanted, and so he took it. Well, God gave the nation of Israel throughout its history men who were called prophets. And there was a prophet that was there with King David who spoke truth to power. These were the men. Boy, don't we need this today. These prophets would speak truth to power. And Nathan was the prophet to King David. And Nathan tells David this elaborate story, and you need to read it because it's powerful. He goes on in detail about a man who had only one sheep who was not very wealthy at all. He only had one sheep. But there was this other man of power and wealth who had hundreds and hundreds of sheep who decided one day that he would take the one sheep from the one man and take it for his own. And Nathan asked David, what would you do to a man like that? 
And David fell for the trap. He said, there should be justice to that man. That was wrong. He should be brought to justice. And then Nathan said back to David those four words. You remember them? You are that man. David, you're that man. And you, in pride and arrogance, who are able to see cruelty and injustice in this little story, are someone who cannot even see it in yourself. You are that man, David. It's the log and the speck syndrome. It goes to the heart of what Jesus is teaching here. It's the attitude of self-righteousness. That I am better than others. That's when it's judgmentalism. My studies this week, I was reading an author on this subject. I want to read for you what he says because it goes to the heart of this attitude of self-righteousness that often accompanies judgmentalism. This is what he says. He says, We may not consciously be aware that tearing down others can inflate ourselves, yet the underlying message is something, something like this. I wouldn't ever do such a thing. I could never do that. Or I am shocked and aghast at such behavior. We are usually noting how utterly different we are from those people or how we would simply never sink to their level. Criticizing others is not just an offensive move against them. It is also, listen to this, it is also a defensive move to protect our own self-righteousness. When we are judgmental, therefore, we need other people's faults in order to dodge our own. Stated simply, judgmental thinking is addicted to other people's faults and other people's behavior. The judgmental person then finds his or her identity in the faults of others. This is what Jesus is describing. The arrogance and the pride of condescending and condemning other people. So what are some ways that we can avoid it? Let's finish today. I'll just give you this takeaway. Three ways to avoid a spirit of judgmentalism. First of all, remember, God is the judge of people's hearts, not you. Make moral evaluations on behavior? Yes. But to assign meaning to the heart and to judge people in their motivations is not your job. It's not my job. That's God's job. He is the judge. Secondly, remember, you are a sinner saved by grace. Ever had that moment where you've judged someone harshly? You've come to understand the story? And you say to yourself, that could have very easily been me. There, but by the grace of God, go I. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. It's been saved by God's grace. And then third, discern and even disagree. But resist comparing and certainly 
do not ever condemn another individual. Make moral evaluations. Don't apologize for your convictions. Don't apologize for saying that something is right and something is wrong. But when we condemn the person rather than the behavior, this is when we've crossed the line into judgmentalism. And this is what Jesus wants you and I as followers of Christ to always remember that we are sinners saved by God's grace. And if we can walk as followers of Christ in that humility, in that sense, that what we have received from Him is what we are to give and display to other people, then we will be able to uh, avoid this sin of judgmentalism and be able to find in Christ the kind of perspective that we need about living in this world. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's tempting to become self-righteous. It's tempting to condemn other people. Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. And I just want to extend an invitation. There may be someone in the room today who has never placed their trust in Jesus as their Savior. Maybe they've come to church, said a prayer but they've never turned their life over to God in such a way that they would trust Him by faith to forgive them of their sins and to come into their life. If you've never done that today, this is the most important decision that you can make. And in your heart of hearts right now, if you would say this to God, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Make me a new person. And help me to be a follower of Christ from this point on. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Bible says that you're a new creation, that you're a Christian, and that you've begun a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You need to grow in that relationship. You need to tell someone that today you trusted Christ as your Savior. This day, June 2nd, 2013, was the day that you came to know Christ as your Savior. And to grow as a follower of Jesus. So tell someone that would be happy about this news and let us know, let us help you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, how clear Jesus is in his instructions to us about the kind of attitudes that we're to have as people in the kingdom of God. Oh Lord, forgive us for the sin of judgmentalism. Forgive me, Father, for the times that I've jumped to conclusions. Father, help me to reserve my critique a little bit more. Help me, Father, to walk in more of the awareness that I'm simply a sinner saved by grace. And help me, Father, to always understand that I'm not the judge of others. You are. I can leave that up to you. Give us strength in this world to make moral evaluations, God, without the spirit of judgmentalism. That's what we pray. And we pray that that would be a witness 
to this dark and confused world outside these walls. We trust you for the strength to do it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.